Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Antonio Conte, who is now in at Tottenham, back in English football today. Welcome into the Tottenham Depot. I am your host, Andrew. You can follow me at Aesthetica. You can follow us at Tottenham Depot. It is episode 60 of the Depot. We have a Tottenham victory to talk about over Leicester City. We will do that. But first, let me introduce my two friends alongside with me. We've got Shuban. He is at the real Shuban. Shubs, what's going on, mate? Hi, mate. I hope you guys are all good. And yeah, looking forward to this. Hey, guys. Yep, that is Caroline. She is with us as well. She is at CG Stefko. Kaz, what's going on? I'm hanging in there. It's been kind of a, an up and down day of football for me. Too much football. A lot of, <laughs> lot of football, which we discussed in our little pre-show uh uh, roundabout here, which we will get to. The lot of football you're referring to is the women's team. We are waiting. We have waited to record this game until after the women's game was completed today. A disappointing result for them, but we will get onto that uh, after we talk a little bit about the men. Um, a three-one victory for Spurs at home today over Leicester City. A very rotated, I think, Leicester City side after they played in the. They're still in the Conference League, right? They're not in the Europa. Yes, they're in the Conference League. Uh, which remember that remember those days when Spurs were in the Europa Conference League? Could you imagine if Spurs were still in that shit show of a of a, of a competition? But uh, but Leicester are, and they played on Thursday, uh, and so they Drew played Roma. A, yeah, Drew, Drew, Roma. Drew Roma. I, I hear I hear Roma has a notable coach. We don't need to talk about that though, because no one else here on this podcast today is going to remind me of who that is, uh, which I'm great, <laughs> which I'm grateful for. <laughs> Um, but Leicester played a rotated side and Spurs kind of got what I would call a nonchalant victory. I think, I feel like Spurs have had a couple of these down the stretch here in the Antonio Conte era. Um, just a, a pretty standard win. Um, let's start by talking though about the lineup because that's where I'm going to (laughs) have a little bit of a problem. Um, first of all, pretty standard lineup other than who we saw play right wing. And that was Lucas Mora instead of Dejan Kulosevsky. Uh, we will come on to that. And then the wingbacks were, I believe, the same ones we saw last weekend uh, in Sessegnon and Emerson Royale. Now, we've talked a lot about the wingbacks here, Shuban. Not a lot you can do about rotating those guys. Uh, Matt Doherty, we saw him out there in the in the leg brace limping about. Can't, can't use him, obviously. Sergio Reggian, he was present and accounted for, but wasn't on the pitch. We got Sessegnon instead, who I thought... Had an okay game, um, but Lucas Mora is is the one for me. And Antonio Conte said that this was just regular rotation, starting Lucas Mora over Kulusevski. Uh, Shuban, your thoughts on that? I can understand why he may have given Kulusevski like you know drop not drops because obviously young players they do very very well, and then sometimes they go for little spurts. I understand thinking, oh, I need to change that. I don't understand why you'd put Lucas. I mean, look, I'll always be grateful for Lucas for the hat trick and you know, you know, his samba and all that kind of stuff. But if I'm Steven Bergwijn, I'm thinking, what the hell do I have to do to get my chance? I really, yeah. you know, and I'm just, I just kind of work that out. And then he just, he, you know, Lucas tried. He half and he passed. The worst thing was though, we tried to play to Lucas as if he was Kuliszewski, but. There's one giant thing, the big difference. Kuliszewski is at least half a foot taller and a lot bigger. So when he's not going to, when they play to a chest and he's not going to spin around, he got pushed off the ball, you'd say too easily or whatever. No, these are fair challenges. I mean, maybe in in Italy or in Spain or in France, you may get given that as a, as a, as a foul, which I can understand that. But 
he just wasn't strong enough. Look, I'm going to defend Lucas in the fact that it's you know when you haven't played for a lot of games, it's difficult to get a rhythm and it's difficult you know to be about your bearings and everything else. You haven't yeah you can do all the match practice you want. Game day is game day, and right now it was. So I, I will give that one caveat, but it's one of those things where you have to take your chance. And this is why I'm going to bring. I'd like to ask Kaz about this because obviously her her San Antonio Spurs is it meant to her coach meant to be very very good, and but obviously he has to give his chances. He has to rotate, and I'm sure he has the same thing. That if you if you're going to start for me, then give me your A game. But Lucas didn't show his A game, and. Um, uh, obviously, we'll talk about it later, but it's funny when the, his replacement comes along and then does more in half an hour than Lucas has done in 60 minutes. Yeah, and that's where I was going to go. I mean, Caroline, was 55 minutes for, for Lucas, was it 54 too many? Was it 30 too many? Like, what? I mean, how? Obviously, he didn't last the whole match. He didn't even last an hour. But, like, what do you make of, of Lucas getting the start and just the very poor performance that he put in? I would say with him needing to have time just because there was no need for us to make the switch. Um, But I mean, by halftime, he he had shown us pretty much like Shuban said, he's not Kulisevsky (laughs) and he's not adapted to the team and the the style that we're playing now under Conte. So I I would have been happy to see Deki come in right at halftime personally. Um, And I think it just goes to show that when he did, uh, replace Lucas it was an immediate impact and I don't want to spoil the women's section but you know it, it is possible to make an impact if you're a player who hasn't been getting a lot of minutes so I don't think that's an excuse for Lucas either yeah you're right about that I do think there is something to be said about not having a rhythm not playing regularly but to, to that point there is a player who has a rhythm and has been playing regularly and that's Dayan Kulisevsky. And he's been that dude. And granted, maybe last week wasn't that great. Maybe the last two weeks weren't that great, but guess what? They weren't great for the whole damn team. I mean, the whole team had been playing that they hadn't scored in two weeks. You know, this, the, the, the three goals today were the first three since the four nil over Aston Villa. And we're talking back to April 9th. It's May 1st. That's, you know, three weeks of no goals for this team. Um, so yeah, it, there, there's something to be said for that, but I think you're you're spot on there. Lucas doesn't have the role that Kulisevsky, but they're, they're totally different players. And for the way that Spurs were going to have to play today in order to win, and they were able to do this despite Lucas being on the pitch, they were going to have a, a decent amount of the ball. Now, you know, I I was actually surprised at the final possession numbers. Spurs only had 39 percent of the ball in this match, which I think would have surprised many people. Um, they only had it for 43% in the first half and they finished with 39% of the ball, but still were managed to score three goals with that little of the ball, but they had space when they had the ball and they needed control of the ball when they had the ball. And that is not something that Lucas Mora offers. Um, that is not something that he can do. He can take the ball and run at you and probably lose it, but he's not going to provide the, the touch passes. I mean, Kulisewski demonstrated everything. Like you said, when he came on and was an immediate impact, he also demonstrated the control that move he made to get uh, down the line and 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 spring Spurs on another break late in the match. That's that's hero ball stuff. Like you don't see that kind of thing very often. It was freaking beautiful. I mean, there's just no other way to put it. So Kulisevsky coming on, I thought, really changed this match um, because never did I feel like it was going to be out of control. But at one nil. You still felt like, all right, something's gotta something's gotta give here. Spurs need to pick up the game a little bit. And like you said, sure enough, he comes on after 55 minutes. In the 60th minute, he assists on a goal. In the 79th, he assists on another one. We will talk about those two goals from Kungman's son. Don't don't worry, we will. Um, let's first talk about the Harry Kane goal in the first half. Harry Kane scores another goal against Casper Schmeichel. Um, if Todd were here, he would be making pulp fiction jokes and we will credit him with those and leave those to him. But Harry Kane always scores against Leicester City. That is just what happens. And the header, Shuban, was a banger. Spurs scored on a corner. How about that? We can celebrate that a little bit, right? I don't know what was more unexpected. The fact that he scored in a corner or what Sonny did for you know later on in the game. Because <laughs> I didn't see either of those coming, really. 
But it kind of goes boils down to I think years. I can't remember was it was it Man City when there's a 2019, and um, company has that absolute banner against Leicester just to get them over the line. And sometimes you have to find ways to win that are unusual for you. And it was a good it was a good um, what should I call it um, corner from Sunny, you know he you know and um, you know you can say Leicester weren't marking properly which they weren't. But ultimately, you have to take your chances, and Kane took his chances, and then yeah, that's something that we you know. But I think I think what worried me though was that ten minutes beforehand, I think I can't remember, was it Paxton Dacker hit the post? Yeah, he actually now, I, that actually was a ball that was pushed to the post by Lloris. I mean, he got a paw on that, which is which is was surprising when I went back and watched it because that's a goal if Lloris is not there. Yeah, and it's one of those things we think well, and obviously I had like. Deja feels like, oh my god, not again. It's just going to be another. But then I think once that goal went in, it settled our nerves. And it seems really stupid, but we have to go goal up Mm -hmm. to actually start playing our game (laughs) because that then draws the other team out, which it sounds the most asinine thing to say. And I'm really sorry to say that, but it's as if we need to go, we need the head start or like, you know, like the push start or something on your bike or something. Or do you know, like, you know what I mean? You've got to get the push to get the car just to. Get the car moving. You have to you know, push the car up. Do you know what I mean? And then it will spot the, the engine will sputter into life or something. And that's what it feels like for us. I mean, it, I'm not saying it was it was a deserved goal. You know, obviously, you know, it was a good free, good good corner, everything else. But we can't rely on just you know, oh, you know, playing on the counter now. We've got the space. Now we've got to do it because teams do sit deep, and you know, either we have to get much better at corners, which I'm hoping this is an indication we are. Or we have to, or set pieces, or we just have to have to figure out how to break teams down because Leicester for that first half, I don't. If they got in one all, I don't wouldn't have begrudged them that they were yeah. pretty decent, especially when you consider that I know I don't know how much of their team they rotated because I I don't watch Conference League, unfortunately. <laughs> right, right. Unless, <laughs> unless for some reason, unless for some reason we're forced to because we are in it, but even then we begrudgingly watch it. I don't know how how much of a rotation there was. But you know they had they from by all accounts they had a tough uh, game in it. I think on the road. I think they went to Roma, so they had a tough game. And but they seem well, to be when, a little more. When you more think alive. about the fact when you think about the fact that they brought guys like Vardy and Tielemans off the bench, I mean that's that that tells you it's a little bit rotated. I think. Um, to your point about the goals, though, this this from Jonathan Beal. Uh, in the 16 previous Premier League games where Spurs have scored first, they've won 14 of those. One of them was the draw against Liverpool, and they lost the game to Southampton after scoring first. But that that shows you that what you're what you're kind of hinting at about when Spurs score first, it things typically will go well. For winning 14 of six of them, 16 of them, and drawing in in one of them, that's that's a really good record when scoring first. And granted, I think you would probably find that that's more than likely the case with a lot of Premier League teams. If you score first, you have a better chance of winning. I think that's pretty obvious. But with Spurs, you're right. It does seem to kind of kickstart what they have going for them. And I think that even when they came out after half, Caroline, like we did see that first 10 minutes or so until Kulisevsky came on and kind of settled things. It, it was still a little bit shaky. It was, it was never to the point where I was in fear of what was going to happen. But when that second goal went in, I'm like, well, this is a wrap. I had no bother when when this team went up 2-0, right? Yeah, definitely agree. And I think Kulisewski coming on, just to reiterate this point, he really brought the urgency to the the whole team that Lucas just was not providing. And I think part of that is because Lucas is so disconnected from the team at the moment. Um, Which, you know, and... (laughs) It's tough with Lucas because it's like we do have those memories with him and, you know, we that's never going to go away. But I think pretty unanimously across the fan base, we are all in agreement that it's time for him to move on from Spurs. He He's just not suited to Conte's style. And yeah, it's time. Yeah, but I agree with you. I also think a big uh, factor in the game was Romero. There, he, there, yep, there he is. <laughs> not to steal your thunder. No, but... you're not stealing anything. Get, get, get the Romero because my God, um, <laughs> another one. Yeah, I mean, it, it, there were times where he like left me speechless. Literally, um, he he's fearless. He 
he makes tackles that I don't think anyone else on our team can make. <laughs> uh, no offense to our other defenders. And he just always has that instinct to get the ball forward, um, which we don't always see from all of the defenders, to be fair. Um, but he, he was easily man of the match for me, even with uh, Sun scoring his two goals. And you'll, you know how much I love Sonny, but I have to give props to Romero for today. No, 100%. I, I don't know that Romero has had, I'm not even going to say a bad game. I don't think that he's had a mediocre game probably since he's come back from injury, which was and, in what, February? Right. And he's really, I think, cleaned up his discipline issues too. Yeah. So that's that's a huge positive going into next season, I think. For me, I just think, do you know what? Andrew, you put this in the chat, is, that, is he our best signing since Sonny? And I think, do you know what? I think he's our best signing since Hugo Lloris. And the reason I cut that into context is that Sonny took at least a season to get going. Now, Sonny's had an amazing Spurs career. Yeah. But it, for the first year, he didn't really play as much because he had to adjust and everything else. Whereas, and basically, he wasn't playing. You wouldn't really notice him that much. But when we went from Hugo to, I love Brad Friedel, by the way. A lot of love and respect for that guy. But we went from Hugo to Brad. It was a significant drop-off in the performance. Sure. Just so, And I think, and I don't want to say this about Romero, but that if I'm honestly, I'm obviously, you want Tangan to come back fit, Dave to, to do what, you know, Hopefully, you know, to come to to, recover, to show the season he had in his, show the form he had in his first season. But it's just the levels he's got. I mean, I honestly think that there there are players that you think, oh my god, if we haven't got them, we're going to struggle. Kane and Son are obviously the first two. Hugo, but and midfield not many, but definitely Romero. That is the player that we I, I would really miss the most. And, and I'm going to say it, toxic pongo or filth because. Yeah, that tackle. Very few players would have the had the nerves to make that kind of tackle, and it was a it looked strong. And, and the funny thing is, the funny thing is, Shoes, if you watch the game, all you have to say is that tackle, and people will know exactly what you're talking about. Like that's that's how remarkable that tackle was. And it was right after another tackle that was hugely important. Yeah. So <laughs> again, he's fearless. You know, I I think back a lot to the time when, and this was this is under Conte, but when Romero still wasn't fit, and we were playing Sanchez with Dyer and and Davis along this back line, and you know they were getting by. I, I think I think Sanchez gets a lot of shit for basically for not being Romero, which is unfair to him. Um, you know, sorry to that man, but he's not Romero. Um, but I think they they held it together as best they could and i think if i recall and i probably should have done a little bit more research on this but if i recall i think they, that spurs kind of righted the ship a little bit even with sanchez back there but when, when romero came back you're right shuban the level just for this defense went it went above and beyond and this this team nowadays doesn't really get caught out giving up more than one goal a game they'll they'll give up the occasional goal I get that. And look, they gave one up late today that we, I think we can probably credit to, to Harry Winks, um, you know, and failing to mark his man, but they haven't given up in my quick research here. They haven't given up more than one goal since the man United match. And that was March the 12th. Uh, it is now May the 1st. And we're talking about this, you know, they have um, not given up that many goals. They gave up two to man city back in February. They won that damn game. So it's like, you know what are you going to do with this defense? It's it's been really really good since Romero came back. I'm having been at that match, and I was at I was obviously I was at Old Trafford, and literally, I don't think maybe you could say for the actually I don't, I don't think you say for either of the goals or any of the Ronaldo goals because yeah but, it was that's right that was the Ronaldo day <laughs> that was another the thing is it was like I don't I mean like they they've shown this thing I don't know if you've seen this video but they showed like he does this leaping header or something and they put how high the ball is. And people in Manchester try and try and head it, and it's just so high. I mean, you'd have to be like an NBA player or something to head that ball. That's yeah. how high the ball is. But I'm saying that. So basically, what he can't out out jump Ronaldo. Well, no, I don't think any, I don't think anyone can. So right. that's I'm just that, so I'm saying that the levels he's at, and 
what I can't understand is obviously we've got a loan to thing and maybe I don't know what it is. Is it trying to keep him hungry or something? Because for God's sakes, please just get the deal signed. Get him having with the was it the Conte hug or something around the shoulder yeah. or something. I have yeah, no, I have no worries. I have no worries about that. I, I think I think you're spot on there. It's it's funny too. You mentioned him being the best signing you think since Larice because of Sun taking a year to bet in, and I I I don't disagree with that. Um, on principle, I I do think it's interesting whether or not, and I say this all the time, and this is just me. You know, I'll get made fun of when when the other when the other guys listen to this about my pragmatism here. They'll they'll joke that they're not surprised that I'm going to be a little pragmatic here, not get over over uh, overzealous on Romero. He's going to have to continue doing it. He's going to have to continue proving this. I, I I hope this isn't just a February to May run that he's on. I hope that this is something that he carries into next season, uh, you know, and continues to just anchor this back line along with whether it's Dyer and Davis or Dyer and some other left-sided center back or whoever, I think that he can be the anchor for this defense for quite some time. I think that would be a really big deal. I think that obviously my worry was the parallel between him and say, um, uh, so Davis Sanchez, because Davis Sanchez had a very good debut season for us. Sure. But I think that was, that's kind of what I mean. But I think that was because I think a lot of it was, I wouldn't say he was, he was having his hand held, but I'm saying he had Jan and Toby, who was probably our, our best pairing that I can remember in the Premier League history anyway for us. Do you know what I mean? Right. And then I think having them at their peak, well, or just past their peak, and you know, holding his hand a lot, that kind of helped. But I don't, I'm not saying he was holding Romero's hand because people say Dyer's leadership, blah, 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 blah. But I don't really think that. I just think Romero is just being Romero. He is literally so, because that tackle, it's not as if someone's told him, I'll go, go make that tackle. He has gone on and it's... done that and then just done. And it's such a, I call it the Ramos challenge because that is the kind of challenge that Sergio Ramos would do. It's, it's just, it's just, it's just so audacious. And I'm like, but he does it. And it's not as if, and it's not as if you're thinking, oh, that could be like a VAR, they'll call it back. That timing of do that tackle is ridiculous. I can't. I, I'm really struggling to think of any defender. Maybe, maybe. I mean, maybe Paul McGrath back in the day, like and that's that's going back years and years. But who had that level of timing? Because Ledley would run people out. Ledley wasn't that kind of tackler. Right. I'm really struggling to think of. I mean, please. I mean, well, he, yeah. here's here's the other point that you're going to get one of those eventually. You're going to get a time where he goes in and they've got to review it. And yeah, it's a foul or it's a penalty or it's hell. Maybe it's a red card. Maybe it's a straight red. You're going to get one of those. Trust me, that will come. It happens to everybody. But the fact that we have now spent a month and a half, two months talking about the consistency of his great performances. I'll take the occasional oopsie daisy from him. You know, I will. I'm sorry. Like if we're going to get, runs like this of just stellar stellar defense and and then all of a sudden maybe he has a, a a game where he stinks or where he gets dunked on a few times by cristiano ronaldo those will happen but as long as you limit those to once in a while and the rest of them is 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 what he's doing um i'm i'm all in i'm all in on this guy i'm so on board um i just I, I can't say enough good things. Like you said, toxic pond water filth. He just, but, but it's not even dirty. It's, you know, it's not as dirty as that. It's, it's been clean, which is even better. It's been clean, fun, defensive football, which is just such a damn joy to watch. Um, let's move from the defensive side of the ball to the offensive side of the ball, because we talked a little bit about Kane and scoring a header against Cash for Schmeichel and, you know, now Schmeichel runs away and goes goes back to where he goes, and Kane can bring him out again next year and score another, you know, probably three goals in two games or something like that against him. But Youngman's son gets two today, both assisted by Kulisevsky. The first one's great because it, it's I think it was really made by Romero's tackle and Kulisevsky getting him the ball. The second goal, though, Caroline, holy shit! <laughs> like what what do we even say about a left footed bender? That maybe Hyungman's son now owns Casper Schmeichel too. I don't know. Yeah, people, I I keep hearing this about 
his left foot being his weak foot. And I just oh, yeah. don't show, believe it. Show him that video. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I, I feel like the evidence is mounting that there is no difference uh, between his two feet. But yeah, I, I was already standing up as he took the shot. Like I just, you, you know, it's going to go in because it's him. And I mean, Pierre Emil Hoiberg seemed to know it was going in, <laughs> but know. also seemed to be completely baffled. That go, was if priceless. <laughs> if you have not seen it, go back and watch the video and look behind Hyungmin's son at the view that Pierre Emil Hoiberg has, and he just places his hands on his head in amazement. And sometimes I've that's only, all you can do. <laughs> I've only seen that one time, and that was when was, was it Ben Davis did that after Eric Lamella did the Rabona. It was Reggie on, but yes, I know what you're talking no, about. No, 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 this, no, this, no, this is back in 2015. That is when Ben, ben Davis did the did this. Uh, was it? This is come who 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 did the Rabona against? But it was just like, and he's like, "What the hell did I just see?" It was just he puts his hand in this thing and just bonkers. But it was, I don't know. It was, I call it. Do you know what? I know so they sound too bad to Kudashevsky, but I call it a lot the Tom Carroll assist. Yeah, right. And I, I hate to say that because I think the people who may remember this goal. Against, you know, I'm sorry, I hate to mention their name, but um, Bale scored this absolute blinder of a goal past West Ham. And Tom Carroll got the assist. I mean, he wasn't much of an assist. It's just basically he gives the ball to Bale and Bale just did what Bale does. What what and, was what was more of an assist? Was it that assist or was it Jan Vertonghen to Hyungmin Son for the Burnley goal a few years ago? <laughs> well, I was there for that as well, actually. <laughs> and, <laughs> I was, and it's the thing, though. And I swear, I swear, I swear to, to this day... I was there, and I still can't believe what I saw. Yeah, I still can't believe. But here's the thing, though: I'm not expecting, say, um, signing to do that Burnley thing. But what I do want about to see is him saying, "Do you know what? I've got the confidence to say, do you know what? I'm going to take that ball, grab it, and I'm going to take a pot shot." Not yeah. all Gareth Bale's goals does do that, but I'm hoping that because we have really struggled to. Um, break teams down that sit deep and sometimes you have to bend it. and it's a beautiful bend of a shot Schmeichel I don't do you know what I think it's really hard to say he should have got to it it's just one of those things oh that, no he had no yeah, shot he had but, no chance yeah I'm with you Shubon like there have been so many games especially those last couple of games where we really struggled to create anything and I'm sitting here watching, just screaming at my TV, like, take a shot. <laughs> Literally, nice, right? anybody take a shot. And it's good that Sun is getting into this confident form uh, going into the, you know, the final run in because we need him scoring goals and we need him scoring multiple goals. I, I will say it's a lot easier to take a shot like that when you're up 2-0 late in a match. I was sitting here in this very seat watching, you know, like just kind of kind of counting down the minutes like all right let's go like i said when we went up 2-0 i had no worries about this match whatsoever um i knew that lester it, as long as christian romero was on the field i knew that lester were not getting two goals to, to to match us um and when he took that shot i was just like i mean i didn't even re my reaction was probably more muted than pierre emil hoybier's i was just like you've got to be shitting me did he really just do that i didn't i didn't even jump up or exclaim or there was no like Granted, it's early out here. I'm on. I'm on. I'm in the western part of the U.S. The game started at 6 a.m. I'm. I'm not going to wake up my family hooting and hollering. But I was literally just sitting here saying, "You got to be shitting me!" Like, did he really just do that? I mean, that well, was the whole thing. And apparently, he had just been told that he was going to be subbed off. So that was really <laughs> See, his, like, you know, last know hurrah. <laughs> Amazing. I and he's not. That. He's not that, in the world class conversation often enough, in my opinion. He really should be. That should be a tactic, you know, that just tell players, you know what, you're going to be subbed off in the next couple of minutes. So you think, oh, well, you know what, I'm going to get subbed off anyway. Let me just try something because away. it was, yeah, just like, you know what I mean, just take us because it was very, very daring, but it was just the sheer bend of it. I mean, I, again, I don't want to compare it to Gareth Bale because I think that's very, very harsh because Gareth Bale did that consistently, God knows how many times, but just the sheer whip he gets with that because I've seen him score. A, well, I think I think it was his right foot, I think, against West Ham. And that was an absolute screamer of a goal. So he knows he's got that in his pocket. But to actually have that, I mean, he's got this pace in behind. He's got that ability just to drag the ball. He, obviously, that second goal, you know, this is the second goal, this is the first goal he scored, sorry, but our, our second, really good turn and spin. Yeah. But sure. in terms of being 
a complete football. I think this is what this was his 19th goal of the season or something. I can't Nin- remember. 19th Premier League goal of the season. He's three behind uh, Mo Salah for for the Golden Boot. Four games to play. I, I don't know. I don't know how how realistic that is, but he's firmly placed himself in that second position. But he's really just gone to like, in terms of the levels he's gone on to. I mean, people will say. I mean, in terms of player of the season, I think normally it's always going to be like Kane or whatever Kane or Son. Kane or Son. But now I've never seen. For me, it's a two horse race between Son and Romero, and I think. Goals will get win you games, but this is the level. I don't think I've seen Sonny perform at these sorts of levels. Uh, I have not seen it. He is really. People say Kane's improved because of Conte, and yeah, they're right. And I think, but and to be fair, Sonny did really well under Jose, but the levels that Sonny has got to now, it's it's just yeah. I mean, hopefully, I mean, we'll see, continue to see this improvement. You know, player of the season is not something that I had really thought about. We still got four games to play, obviously, but that is a really good shot. I mean, it's it's I I I think Harry Kane deserves a little bit of a nod and 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 deserves to be in the conversation as well because of of how well he's performed as as we say all the time, playing playing two roles essentially, playing the number nine and the number ten role in this team. Um, but between Romero and Son, really, I think that is the the conversation to be had and. It's the highest goal total, uh, league, league goal total for him ever at 19. I certainly think he's got a chance to get to the 20 goal mark, which is just just remarkable. Um, he's having a whale of a season, and um, you know, for him to be doing it at this standpoint in his Spurs career, you know, you mentioned earlier, it, it took him a little while to get going as, as as a Tottenham player, but boy, has he gotten going, and it's just it's a fucking joy to watch. Like, there's there's no other way to put it. Um, and I, you know, I, I don't know what to say. The other subs that were used, uh, Winks and, and Bergvine, gl- glad to see, you know, Bergvine get on the pitch. I, Winks, I, you know, whatever, like I mentioned earlier, he kind of, kind of was a little bit responsible for the goal. I thought Hugo probably could have done a little better on that too, but, but he was left out to dry. Um, but Ber- the Bergvine thing, nice to see him get on the pitch. I, I, I did read some comments and I don't know how real they are about, the fact that it seems like he's ready to, you know, I, I think his lack of playing time is finally God to him. He wants to, um, it sounds like go back to the Netherlands and, and, and get some regular playing time. And especially ahead of the world cup this, uh, later this year, uh, it, it, look, if that's where he's at, uh, sorry, we couldn't be more of service to you, Stevie. I mean, I I'm sorry that, that, the opportunity has not been here. I'm sorry that folks like Lucas Mora are for some reason starting in rotated sides over top of you. Um, but I don't, I don't blame him one bit for any of those thoughts. Yeah. I don't blame him either. It's, it's just that we're at an impasse here where Bergie wants to be a starter and Conte is just straight up said, you know, I'm not benching son Kane or Decky. It's just not happening. And, you know, you, you could argue that he could be getting more valuable time off of the bench, but I just don't think that's really Conte's uh, preferred method of doing things. So, yeah, yeah. It's, it, it'll be sad to see him go, but he's a very talented player and he deserves to be a starter at another team, I think. Yeah, he deserves to be a starter over Lucas Moro. That's for damn sure. Um, you know, I, 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 I don't want to continue to hammer Lucas Moro for, 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 for today, but at the same time, I kind of do. So I'm going to, that um, just, I, I could not, I could not get over how bad he was uh, in this match today. I actually thought some of the, some of the, the ratings and the, the, the reviews of his performance today, I thought were high and, and, and they weren't high. I just thought they were too high still. Um, that's how bad he was. It was, it was not pretty. Yeah. You have to wonder if it was a shop window sort of thing. You know, I, you know, it's interesting you say that. I think if you were going to shop windows, someone you'd shop window Stevie because I, who, who wants Lucas Mora at this point? Isn't Lucas Mora like, I'm fairly certain he's significantly older than Lucas, uh, than Steven Bergman. I think like, he recently yeah. that 30. I think, I mean, who knows? I mean, he obviously will. Obviously, Villarreal seems to be like the, you know, I don't know, the resting home for yeah. players. So who knows? That's happened. But, and I, th- I think Emery was the one that signed him, maybe because I think Emery signed him at PSG or something. So maybe that you know he ends up going back to PSG, you know, to, to his former manager or something. But that I think Luke Moore has, you know, anyone that wears the badge, you know, 
is someone I have my respect. And I've seen really shitty players play for Tottenham. I mean, absolute gut players. So he is not one of them. He is someone who will always go down in time history. I mean, I was thinking today, what was it? I think it might be almost three years. Was it only, I think it was almost three years ago now where, you know, he had that incredible game and, you know, we went to Champions League final yeah. and he had this amazing game. So, But the problem with Lucas Moura is he's, I think he's, the reason, that, honestly, that game was just pure chaos. And I think he thrives in pure, pure chaos. He does. And the problem is Conte is not a chaos manager, which sounds really, because if you look at his Conte cam, I mean, he's, he completely goes pretty bonkers. But it's, there's a way of, he, he very much, I don't, I don't think micromanages the way, say, uh, Pep Guardiola does. But there's a real, like, this is what we're doing. These are the regular things that we're going to try and do. This is what you have to do. And I think the problem is Lucas, for love him or loathe him, he's very free-spirited. He plays his own way, which works occasionally. But unfortunately, in this system, it doesn't. It hasn't really worked here. And I think, I mean, we talk about Kudashevsky having all the assists, but I think, I, I, I'd hate to say this, but I'm honestly going to guess that Kudashevsky probably has more assists this season that, than Lucas probably had in the last two or something. Uh, I think I saw a stat today that Kulisevsky is joint sixth in the Premier League in, in assists already, and he joined the club January 31st. So that tells you what he's been, been able to do in, let me math here, February, March, April, three months. Three months, he's got himself into joint sixth in the league in assists. So yes, your your instincts there, Shuban, per usual, are spot on. Uh, that's That's where we're at. Um, we know that Tottenham still sit fifth on 61 points, two points behind Arsenal because Arsenal beat West Ham earlier today. That is something that obviously with four games remaining, we still have a lot to talk about. Before we get into what's ahead for the men, let's switch gears, talk a little bit about the women because um, Caroline, we have not talked a lot about the women's team um, in recent weeks, but th- they've been busy. Uh, they've been unfortunately losing a lot. And then today uh, went and played Everton away from home uh, and got themselves a draw. So do you want to fill us in a little bit about what's been going on with the women? It seems like there, there was a brief moment maybe a month ago where there were thoughts that, Hey, maybe if this team gets on a run, Mm -hmm. there could be a champions league berth perhaps on, on their, on their horizon. That is so far out the window now. And they've, but they have at least solidified themselves as the best of the rest in, in, in the, uh, in the women's super league. Yeah, I think I think we might, if we're going to be technical about it, be kind of in the same conversation with Manchester United as being the best of the rest. Uh, because, I mean, City, once they got over their, you know, early injury woes earlier in the season, they've just taken off. And I, I don't think they're going to have any trouble securing third. But yeah, so Tottenham women... <laughs> we We had just such a weird last couple of months because we would have you know, a game or two and then have a big stretch of no games, either because of international break or just because of uh, COVID postponements. So we ended up in this situation this past week where we had to play Chelsea twice back to back, which does not happen very often um, in league football. So that was kind of a wild scenario. Um, And predictably it did not go well. We lost both games. But we we really did put in a good fight both times. Um, it just became a matter of the sheer quality difference, uh, especially in the first game. You know, we we kind of had a, a lucky break in that Chelsea's keeper and Katrine Berger was sent off with a red card uh, for denying Rachel Williams a clear goal scoring opportunity, which was really kind of unfortunate because I would have rather had the goal. Um, that Rachel would have definitely scored Uh, because we you know even even with being down a a player Chelsea are still just the quality they have is unreal and it also got to a point where uh, you know when it came to the end of the game fitness levels the players that they could bring off the bench there's just no comparison Um, but I do think the team put in a good effort we ended up losing the first match which was the home fixture three to one um, they scored right at the very end, like an absolute worldy goal. So there's not much you can do about those. Um, 
Yeah, ask Casper Schmeichel. Yes, I mean they just happen. They do. They do. <laughs> um, but the the second game, the away fixture, uh, we Karis Harrop. I I think I want to say this was her first goal of the season. Um, she scored an absolutely incredible header, uh, and I was feeling pretty good about you know maybe we could get something from this game and. Uh, it just kind of, you know, Sam Kerr happened and <laughs> she, she as was she, basically, as she, as she tends to, yeah, she was basically the, the game winner for both of the games. So that was a tough break. And then of course we had to play again today. We were playing away at Everton and uh, you know, this, <laughs> the game got away from us. It was just another situation of not finishing our chances and putting the game away when we could have, because we were definitely uh, the team on top in the first half. And it, it was nice to see um, Asmita Ale. She got her first goal in the WSL. Uh, she's she's one of the players that I'm actually most excited about like going into next season. She's a young player, but she's shown a lot of promise. And so I was really happy to see her get a goal. And we also had a goal from Josie Green, which I kind of referenced earlier. She She's barely played this season. And, you know, she came in and she took her chance. Uh, it was a wonderful goal assisted by Jessica Naz. And Rachel Williams also put in a really good performance today, I have to say. Um, she's definitely playing the sort of Harry Kane mode of striker, uh, you know, dropping deep. Um, being really one of our best playmakers because we've been missing Rhea Percival. Um, I don't know if I've mentioned the last time we did a Spurs Women update, but she is out for the rest of the season uh, with an ACL injury. So that's really unfortunate. Um, but yeah, Everton scored off of two set pieces and we ended up sharing the points. So we're still in fifth. Um, any way you look at it, this has been an, a huge improvement over last season. So you can't have too many complaints there, but it is really clear that we need some more quality in our attack. Um, you know, they're kind of like with Lucas, we, we can't be sentimental, I think about some of the players and, you know, we have to make improvements. Um, but I do think that there's a lot of ambition in the club to improve the women's side. And part of that we saw with them, uh, extending a new contract to Rian Skinner. So yep. she's on board. I think it was two more years, two more seasons. Um, so that was really good. We also locked down a few key players with new contracts. So that includes Kit Graham, who y'all will recall has been out for most of this season with an injury. Um, but she, you know, she was definitely like a, a game changer every time she played earlier in the season. So that that's relief really, uh, to see that she's still going to be coming back. Ashley Neville, who arguably has been our player of the season, um, also got a new contract. Becky Spencer, one of our keepers, um, who put in a really good performance today. It should be said the defense kind of let her down uh, towards the end of the game. Um, and then we also have, oh gosh, why am I blanking on it now? Oh. Well, I'll, wow. I'll, 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 while you think about it, I'll bail you out here a little bit. As you said, Spurs still fifth. And it's funny when you look at the the Super League. I mean, we mentioned you mentioned you talked about the two games that they lost to Chelsea last week. Chelsea, it looks like are gonna gonna win the league. Um, mm -hmm. They have a four point lead on Arsenal at the top. Arsenal have a game in hand, but all the four the four teams above Tottenham all are on unbeaten runs, like you wouldn't believe. Chelsea, Arsenal, United, mm -hmm. and City, and Tottenham are kind of when I reference best of the rest. They are atop of the best of the rest in, in, in terms of the other, um, you know, the other eight teams in the league. And I, I do think that there is a conversation about the women's team more um, more macro rather than micro about pushing your pushing them into that top four, pushing into that next level. And I think, you know, to your point, the club is giving out a lot of these contract extensions now, and there there seems to be a, a push of ambition to go and challenge, you know, maybe challenge for the league in the coming seasons and and at, le at the very least be competitive with Chelsea, United, Arsenal, and City. I was going to say that when I was, when I was watching the game with Kaz today, um, I saw Everton's um, home ground something and it reminded of me when Spurs were at Chesham and it was basically like a few sheds or something. And this is Everton's home ground. And I thought if you – I've not been to um, – 
basically we basically I think we lease space at Barnet at Barnet Stadium, and Barnet is a proper football stadium. I think it's about four thousand, five thousand capacity, but it's a proper football stadium. So the ambition is there, I, yeah. I I think, and I definitely just the fact that whether it's her, you know, it's the whole her game too. I don't, I think I'm sure I've seen some like you know Spurs players doing, you know, Spurs fans being involved in that. And there's a real expansion in that. So, yeah, I can definitely think that. I mean, Ash Neville, uh, stuff that she was doing, we talking about Harry Kane being like our number nine and our number 10. I mean, Ash Neville, she's nice off fullback. Sometimes she's striker. The amount of times she gets into the box. And I'm thinking, where the hell is the striker? Where's the midfielder doing that? And because that is her level. But I remember when Ash was playing at Cheson, you know, that's the level she was at. And to have gone from where she's at to where Spurs are now, especially they haven't really had the level of, of investment, say, the Man Cities and Man United have done, and or Chelsea, even Arsenal. So Chelsea and Arsenal, I think they're like, Chelsea are like three-time European champions, aren't they? They're like ridiculously strong or something in this division. Yeah. So, yeah, it's amazing to see what they've done. Well, I think you're right to point out the level that Ash started at and where she is now. Um, you know, she's really grown with the team. And I think that Rianne Skinner has really brought out the best in a lot of our players um, and, you know, surprised a lot of pundits and other fans across the league with our performances this season. So it's great that we're committed to following her vision for the team. And I did find out the other player I had <laughs> missed for the contract extensions uh, was Shalina Zadorsky, our captain. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> kind of important, you know. Uh, but she's she's really had a great um, role in the back line alongside Molly Bartrip, especially. Um, so it's very important that we locked her down, too. So we have this kind of core of the team to go forward with. And now it's time to really make sure that we bring in some of the top level players that, mm -hmm. you know, our top four, you know, top three rivals are bringing in regularly. No question. And and we'll be able to kind of wrap the conversation for this season on the women's team after next week, because they only have two games to play. Uh, they play Arsenal on Wednesday away. And then next Sunday, they play Leicester city at the Tottenham Hotspur stadium, which is kind of cool. So if you are a British listener uh, and can get out to that game next week, that would be really cool to support the women at the big stadium. Uh, so go do that. Um, the men let's get back to that because there's a top four race still. Um, and we, we alluded to it earlier, Arsenal went and beat West Ham today, even though it kind of looked for a moment there, like West Ham was going to do us a favor. No, they did not. <laughs> uh, it kind of looked, uh, what last week was it that Ch like Chelsea was going to do us a favor against Arsenal? No, they didn't. Arsenal are on a run now. And, uh, it's all, it's all still kind of leading up to a week from this Thursday when, when Spurs and Arsenal will meet. Uh, but before then there's still matches to be played. And I, I, I looked at this now. So as I said, Arsenal are on 63 points, Tottenham on 61 points, uh, Tottenham still with a, a seven goal lead in goal differential. So if you can somehow end up level on points with Arsenal, you got a good shot of getting them on, on the goal differential. Um, the four matches remaining for these two teams, Spurs, of course, Saturday play at Liverpool, uh, Arsenal next week are home to Leeds who, by the way, by virtue of everything going on at the bottom of the table, Everton beating Chelsea today, uh, Leeds are still very, very much in a relegation scrap at the bottom of the table. They are only two points clear of Everton. Uh, we'll get to Everton in a moment um, because they, they are going to factor into this whole thing too. There's a lot of, you know, cross streams here going on, but that's the, those are the matchups for next week. Then it's of course the North London Derby next Thursday. Uh, that is on the, I'm trying to remember the date of that. Is that the 12th? Yeah, 12th, the 12th. 12th. The 12th of May is the North London Derby. Uh, that is a, a, home, a home match for Spurs. The week after that, Spurs will play home against Burnley, another team very much involved in the relegation battle. At midday, they, at midday as well, which is ridiculous. Yes, that is an early match, a midday match on a Sunday. Um, and that is... You know, Burnley are only two points clear of Everton, two, two points clear of safety. Burnley and Leeds level on points, 34 points apiece. Everton, 32 points. Uh, Arsenal that week will play Newcastle, which you would think, eh, it's Newcastle. Newcastle are very, very mid-table. In fact, they're about as mid-table as you can get. They sit 10th right now. Um, they're not in the relegation scrap at all, so 
who knows what their motivation is going to be at this point. Um, the final week of the season, Spurs play Norwich. Norwich are already relegated. They're they're done. They're they're going down. We know that now. So who knows what their motivation is? You know, maybe they're playing some younger players that final week of the year. That that would be great. Maybe they're just looking ahead to to their trying to get back up next season from the championship. That final week, Arsenal have to play Everton at home. We just talked about this. Everton beat Chelsea earlier today and are in the, the scrap of their lives, currently sitting 18th and two points back of both Burnley and Leeds, who will also factor into this. So there is a lot to be decided in both the top four and the relegation battle in the final four weeks for like five different teams here. And obviously, I, I, I kind of glossed over the fact that, yeah, Spurs have to play at Liverpool next week, which is also a big deal because I'm not sure if you realize this, but Liverpool are fucking fighting for the league. They're a point back of Man City for the for the for the Premier League title. So it's not like Liverpool are, are, you know, just sitting out here with nothing to do. They have a hell of a lot to fight for as well. So um literally every one of these final eight fixture matchups here, I guess you really it's like not eight because Arsenal and Tottenham play with one another, but when you look down the list, Arsenal and Newcastle is the only one that doesn't have implications for both teams. Let's let's call it that way. Uh, all the other ones. Well, I guess, no, I guess Tottenham Norwich doesn't really either. It doesn't have implications for Newcastle, both teams. I think, but... does, though. I think Newcastle does because you've got a lot of players. I mean, obviously they were able to bring in a few players, but because of the sheer amount of money they have, you've got players there who are really fighting for their future. Sure. I mean, look, that's the case anywhere. That's the only thing I can think of that you're thinking, well, yeah. when you look at that, they've got their players fighting for the future. I actually think, I look at Norwich, it'll be interesting because you have some players who thought you know, who will think, Do you know what? I'm fine for my future because I'm probably going to be moved on. Or there are some players who think, Do you know what? I'm not going to be staying. Um, I'm going to think, you know what? There's no point in me putting the putting a lick in because I don't want to get injured. Got my holidays booked. I want to basically move on. So I think it's one of those things that go either way. But I think you've got you know you've got teams that leads are scrapping for their lives, and they got absolutely tonked. Was it four or five nil by City or something? Yes, yeah, so I can't say Andre can hear you. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Something. I think. I think it was. I think they. I think it was something like that. I'm looking it up now. <laughs> so my... what I'm saying is that I'm just saying that you've got a team because I think last time you we saw a team get tonked. I think it was. I think it was Chelsea at Southampton. They got tonked by Chelsea, and then they rebounded, and then yeah, they ended up winning the game. Now I'm not saying Leeds are going to do the same thing. And but I think the only reason we are in good moods now is that we handled our business. Yeah, no, sure. had, and I think that's all we can do. And I think what we are playing against a team, Liverpool are probably Liverpool and Man City are the best two teams in Europe and Real Madrid probably as well. That's why they're in the top top you know the last four of the Champions League. Yeah. But I think the difference and I think you got Thiago's playing at another bonkers level, but I think ultimately they have to go for the win. Liverpool have to win every single game and hope City shit the bed somewhere. Yeah. And I'm not saying that that's a good thing for us because I'm thinking, my God, Liverpool could tear us apart. But at the same time, it gives us that thing that, do you know what? There will be space to play in behind. They have to be on the front foot. And we are a counter-attacking team. So... If I'm Conte, and I know look, Liverpool got to play Villarreal, and they're probably going to walk it against you know, I'm honestly, I'm I'm hoping that Villarreal somehow get two goals. It's a penalty shootout fest like it was against United last year or something. I don't see that happening because I am not as optimistic as our friend from San Diego. He's he he's Mister Optimism for that kind of stuff. Maybe but, Celso um, will finally contribute something to Spurs and like take someone out with a slide tackle. We can, but hope. You know, <laughs> you know, Thiago. Yeah, on <laughs> No, we're not actually wishing for that. Don't don't get in our mentions. We're not actually rooting for injuries, but <laughs> I'm just I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I just have to mention that. But uh, no, I'm just saying that for me, you know, you, talk, you talked about. I think I talked about earlier that when we go goal up, that's when we start going. But I think because that's when our teams have to come out and play against us. Yeah. And I think the same thing with Liverpool. They have to get a result against us. It's not only about City. We think because. Obviously, this is going back absolutely ages. I don't think you. I think Liverpool were maybe on their ridiculous run then, but they hadn't really started it then. I think maybe a couple of games into it, 
where City, I don't think they could have taken us for granted, but they were thinking, yeah, they, we weren't doing that well then at that time. You know what I mean? And they weren't. Well, I do that, know that if I do know that if Liverpool end up catching City for the title, uh, they better send a big ass fruit basket down to Tottenham Hotspur Stadium because we are solely the reason that they have been able to do it. Like, let's be honest. Um, I, I think you're right about Liverpool, though. They they have to go for it. The other thing, though, is that Spurs kind of have to go for it too. Like they like a point would be great to get at Anfield, but that ain't gonna get it all done unless you get help. I'm sorry. It's just not. You need help at that point. If Spurs win out, guess what? They're in the top four. If they win their final four games, they're going to make the top four. Um, And I said all along, 69 points for me was the number. If you get to 69 points, I think that can get the job done. Um, They're at 61 right now. It means you need eight points from your final four. I, I, I hope that holds to be true, and I think it still might. I still think that Arsenal... Even if, like, let's just call the, the, the North London Derby a wash. Let's say that it's a 2-2, a, a draw. I still think Arsenal could slip against one of these other three teams, Leeds, Newcastle, or Everton, because they're Arsenal. They they tend to do that. And look, Spurs tend to do that stuff as well. Um, yes. Could, could, could we very well lose to Burnley or Norwich? Maybe. We could. I mean, hell, we've already lost to Burnley this year. Um everyone remembers that game because that was remember if you remember that was the day that all the potatoes on the internet said the top four race was done well here we are on may 1st top four race ain't done so you know that's that's how that went but i mean i I, i'm to the point though and this is where i i i wanted to kind of get your guys reaction to this i am i'm not saying that i'm satisfied but i am Basically, I've come to terms with whatever this is going to be over the, this this next uh, three or four weeks because I am so glad that we've gotten to this point under Antonio Conte where this team is in this race. It's fun to be in May and fighting for something. And if Spurs end up fifth and end up in the Europa League next season, great. Congrats to to this team for improving its standing on last year and congrats to them for showing something because that's what they've done. They've shown something. They had a great January window. They got a couple of good players in who have massively helped the team and they can build on it going forward. If they fall flat on their face, they fall flat on their face. But for them to be to this point, I am, I'm basically saying I'm to the point where, yeah, I really want fourth, but if they don't catch Arsenal, they've made made their bed. They're going to have to lie in it at this point. His thing. I remember how bad you were. When literally we'd stopped in Tottenham's day, that's when we'd like to show Tottenham's day. They said announce it, and they would just be crowing, and it was just humiliating. Those days, I'm not saying they're over because clearly they're not. I mean, they still matter, but the fact that it was like it was April or something, and do you know what? Or, or the worst one, it was March or something, and do you know what? Spurs could not catch Arsenal, and you're thinking, oh my lord, not again. And this is when they weren't even competing for the title anymore. That's how bad we were. Yeah. I think this season we have, we I mean, I said players have come in and people will say, oh, the big name players have come in. No, I think, no, there are t- there are games which I've, I've been at. I mean, I was, at, I, was, I was at Old Trafford and I thought, you know what? That really could have gone our way. That really could have gone our way. It just didn't. And that's what it boils down to. And there are games which definitely didn't go our way. And quite right, they didn't deserve to. Brighton, yeah, that Brighton, Wolves, Southampton. Yeah, Arsenal. Like, think about yeah, that. Arsenal. Think well, about the six-point swing in that match. But but I'm saying Wolves, I said Wolves especially, though, we were just absolutely piss poor. Brighton, we were piss poor. Brentford, we just didn't have a clue what to do. We just couldn't seem to figure out, oh, let's just keep doing the same thing over and over again. And I'm not saying we're not going to do that again, again you know, against Liverpool. You know, didn't do that against Leicester for the first 10, 15 minutes. But what I'm saying is that this, for the first, I mean, like, you know what? It's nice to have some, I don't know, I don't know what you, know, what you would you call it, skin in the game. Sure. You know, to, you know, because it's nice. I mean, like last year, it was kind of like, uh, we obviously we had the, I don't want to mention the League Cup final, but sorry, <laughs> we had that. But that was it, though. That's all we had. And I was yeah. thinking, you know what? I was, I was actually hoping we'd actually would lose against Leicester just so we'd have to be in the Conference League and just say so it would piss off Chelsea. That's what I wanted. Do you know what I mean? That's how that's how that's how bad last season was. That's how spiteful yeah. you are. Yeah, I, I I feel you. 
Caroline, where are you at on this top four race? What are your feelings going into this uh, this run in, which is really a sprint in at this point? Well, I can tell you that at the last game of last season, I wanted us to win that game just because seeing Gareth Bale pull that off made it worth it to be stuck in conference league. <laughs> but I, with this season, I think I could feel a little more chill about not getting fourth if it didn't mean Arsenal getting it. That's sure. the thing that is like just very hard to get over. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't... I, I feel like if we do not pull it off, I'm going to be haunted by some of those results like the Burnley, the Southampton, you know, it, those ones are going to hurt for a while. Well, Joe, but like you back. said, it's, it's good to have something that we're still excited about at the end of the season. And these games aren't like dead rubbers and nobody wants that. So, but I really want us to do it. <laughs> I'm going to try and piggyback a little bit off what Cass said. Now, obviously, um, Tory Parrott is playing at MK Dons and they're in the playoffs. Now, I am sure they would have loved to have gone up automatically. That's the dream. But you know what? For a lot of these guys, that day out at Wembley, if they get to have that, that'll be amazing. And from a Spurs perspective, I'm kind of hoping that, you know what? Obviously, assuming he doesn't get injured and everything else, this is extra, extra games for him. These are high-pressure games because essentially it's a semi-final and then the final. And this is where you have to really show your mental. This is where you have to really turn up. This isn't the hundred million pound game that is going to be. So that's, that's the championship playoff final, or hundred fifty pound million pound game. But this is such a huge game because. Sure. Do, do you know what? Because a lot of teams. This thing about the championship. What makes the championship so competitive is the fact that you could basically, if you drop down to the championship, a lot of clubs, Yo-Yo, Fulham have done that. Norwich will hope to do that. But you could go from basically being a team that literally goes down from the Premier League, you don't bounce back up, and you end up in mediocrity. And you can be a team that comes from, from, the, from League One, and somehow you can be in the playoff promotion. That's just how ridiculous it can be. So for me to see, I mean, you know, to watch, I mean, I've, got, I've actually had a chance to see Troy Parrott a few times, watch him play. And if you look at the kid, he just looks, I mean, Obviously, he was a kid when I first saw him at Tottenham, you know, but he's developed as naturally would. He's now, what, 21, 22 or something. And him and Scott Twine have got this incredible combination. I mean, Scott Twine's got, what, 18 league goals, and I think Harris got about 11 or something, and eight or nine assists. And, you know, we're interested to see what happens, you know, come postseason, you know, because I think we go to is it South Korea or something for the friendly tour or something. And, we just see what you know if assuming Conte's still here, uh, you know, but you know, don't, don't, don't start with that, don't start with that conversation. <laughs> we're, we're, we, we do not have the time to get into that today. Uh, that is something that we are going to continue to kick down the road until we cannot any longer, but as no, long I, as possible, yeah. Your, your, your points well taken though, Shubhan. Not everyone is Fulham, not everyone can just bounce back and forth between the Premier League and the Championship every fucking year. Um, that, that's a that's a really good point, and you know, Troy Parrott gets to play in some meaningful games and the, the, the team that's sitting here in a race for fourth, every one of these games now is really, really meaningful, including a trip to Anfield next Saturday. And that is scary to some, but also it's something to embrace. It's, it's, it's a trip to Anfield means this much, even just going to get a result would be a really, really big deal. It would keep you right in line, no matter what, even if, even if you're even if you're chasing Arsenal, you got them coming to your building next week, uh, and you've got two more opportunities after that to to put your stamp on it. And I stand by the fact that I think if this team can get eight more points, I think they can do it. But we'll see if that happens over the next four matches. Uh, this has been a fun one. We have, I think, stretched this thing out uh, as far as we can for it just being three of us. So we're going to leave you to it next weekend. we'll be back to talk. Uh, like I said, we'll wrap up the, the season for the women. We will talk about the Liverpool match uh, and kind of see where we stand heading into a week that will have the North London Derby and the Burnley match, uh, the final two home games for Spurs and kind of see where we stand. Uh, Cause it's, it, <laughs> it's, it's all going to be out on the table for us here that the, the run in. So uh, we'll see where we're at then. 
For Caroline, she is at CG Stefko. For Shuban, he is at The Real Shuban. I am Andrew. I am at Aestetka. You can follow us at Tottenham Depot on Twitter. Follow us on Instagram. Follow us on TikTok. Leave us a rating and review in your favorite podcast app. Wherever you're listening right now, go do it right now. Leave us a rating and review. It really helps us a lot. Uh, we will talk to you next week. Until then, as always, come on, you Spurs. Thank you so much for stopping by the Tottenham Depot. Thanks to Scott Bird for our intro music, as well as the tunes you are hearing right now. Thanks to Dakota Booth for our artwork. Thank you as well to our spouses who put up with our obsession with this football club and for all that they do. And thanks to you, the listener, who really makes this happen. Supporters make this club, and you, the listener, are what make this podcast possible. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Tottenham Depot, and as always, come on, you Spurs. <laughs>